We're going to open our Bibles now to our text for this morning. Uh, It comes to us from Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be considering the first 13 verses of that passage. And Patrick uh, will be reading that reading for us today. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 1 to 13. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to you to me for you, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery is that though through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in, in, the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, there's service outlines, sermon outlines sorry, uh, for you if you'd like to follow along or take notes. If you haven't got one, there should still be some in the foyer. Feel, feel free to make use of them. It was about a month ago, I think, that Melinda and I kind of looked at each other and uh, realised that our moving day was coming soon. Uh, we kind of did a slow rotation, standing in our dining room, looking around at everything and realised it was a big job. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of work ahead of us. We've accumulated so much stuff in the last three years. It's spread out so far through the house. Uh, it was very daunting to think about it. So what do you do when you have a big job ahead? Well, you make a good plan or you try to make a good plan. Uh, A straightforward plan, a simple plan to kind of tackle it piece by piece. And that's what we did. We started to collect uh, and sort out our moving boxes. We made a room by room plan of how we would tackle uh, everything. We set a date to make a tip run. We set another date to go to the op shop. We started organising trailers, confirming muscle to help us. We started praying for good weather, which we obviously didn't do well enough, and so on. We made a plan and we tried to stick to it, uh, and it went well enough. (laughs) See, the way to tackle a big job, a difficult job, uh, is make a good plan and stick to that plan. We saw last week at the end of Ephesians 2, that God has a big plan, uh, that his plan is enormous, in fact. Uh, God's building a temple, not just a physical temple somewhere in the world, but a temple that is spiritual, uh, a temple that is eternal, 
A temple in which all things are reconciled to himself and brought under his rule. A temple which will stand for all time, for all the universe to see, and in which he can be glorified and praised. That is a huge project. Well, today God gives us an insight into how he's going to do that, into the means he's going to use to build that enormous temple. We've seen how good the plan is. Here's how he's going to go about achieving it. That's what Ephesians 3 teaches us. You can imagine uh, for the Ephesian church, as they're reading through this letter, by this point, by the start of chapter 3, they're going to be completely blown away. Uh, Remember, they they sat down, they would read the whole letter from start to finish uh, and then consider it. You you, you can see that by this point, they must be thinking, wow, (laughs) how good, how big, how awesome, how gracious, how loving is our God? How enormous is this plan he has? It's just mind-blowing, it's marvellous. How's he going to do it? How are we going to see this achieved in our world? And so I imagine that by this point they're expecting, well, now God's going to tell us how. He's going to tell us what he's doing. And it seems from Paul's language that that's what he's going to tell them. At the start of chapter 3 and verse 1 there, he launches into his typical prayer introduction. And so the, the, the Ephesians must be thinking, here we are. He's going to tell us what God's going to do. He's going to pray for God to reveal his plan, to show us, uh, to tell us what's going to happen. But actually they get thrown a huge curveball. Look at verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. What a a curveball. God's got this enormous plan, a temple, glory, the whole world. But his chief guy, his number one worker, is a prisoner. Uh, Paul says a prisoner of Christ Jesus, uh, which is true. But he is physically in prison. How can that be? How can God's number one worker be in jail? What's that going to do for this plan? We get the sense Paul realises that must be a shock. (laughs) must be a bit of a surprise. Uh, And so he pauses his prayer here to kind of explain what's going on. He he picks it up in verse 14, which we're going to consider in a couple of weeks' time. But the reason that Paul pauses and, and, and elaborates here is he wants us to see exactly the sort of people that God employs in his plan. Look look with me at verses 2 to 3 and 7 to 8. Verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. And down in verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel. By the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me. So who does God use in his work? Well, it's not the big, the strong, the capable. We we sometimes get this picture in our minds that that is what Paul must have been. Actually, it's the complete opposite. God uses prisoners. He uses servants. He uses people who are weak. Paul actually invents a word to, to, to uh, describe himself. The, the best literal translation is leaster. He's leaster than anyone else in God's kingdom. That's the sort of people that God uses. 
So it's not even that Paul uh, was a minister of the gospel or shared the gospel because he was the first one to be clever enough to figure it out. Uh, he should have been. Paul had studied the Bible his whole life. Uh, his mentor was a, favor, uh, a famous teacher. Paul himself was a Bible scholar of note. He should have understood what God was doing. But that's not how he got it. He didn't work it out. Now, he only knows God's eternal and mysterious plan because God interrupted his life and told him straight out. Literally, God appeared before him on the Damascus Road. Figuratively, he clobbered him around the head so he would see it. Paul's point? God acts, God chooses by grace. You may have noticed it as we read through the passage earlier three times Paul repeats that word, it is by grace. Paul is a steward, the, the administration of God's grace has been given him by grace. He has this message, this, this plan by grace. He is used in God's work by grace. Grace is how God chooses. Grace is how God uses people in his enormous plan. Uh, about a month ago, it was the NFL, that's the American Football League, uh, it was the NFL draft. Uh, I don't know if you keep up with sport much, but if you do, you think the AFL is a big deal. Uh, the NFL is far beyond it. It's mad. For their draft, they, uh, they have a week-long combine somewhere in the States. 300-plus uh, players are invited. You, you can't just rock up and give it a crack. Uh, you have to be invited, and only the very best ever make it there. Before each of them arrive, all of those players are intensely scrutinised. They know their name, they know their size, their weight, they know their stats from the previous seasons and how good they've been, how they're improving. Uh, there's even estimates on where they'll place in that draft. And for that whole week, they are drilled and made to go through enormous workouts. And, and the feats of athleticism are absolutely nuts. Now, these guys are huge. They're all over six foot. They're all over 100 kilos. Uh, they're running, you know, 40 yards in less than four and a half seconds. At one of the drills, they, they have to bench press 100 kilos, <laughs> like a fair effort uh, as it is. They have to do it uh, 30 to 40 times. <laughs> uh, and the more, uh, the better, obviously. This year, one guy uh, actually broke the world's standing jump record. He, he jumped from a standing position 12 foot 3 inches. Uh, what's that? Four metres. <laughs> I couldn't do that with a really long run-up. It's incredible. These guys are just amazing. And they do it whilst the entire country watches. It's televised. It's on the internet. Everyone is watching. All their achievements are replayed. Uh, their mistakes are gone over and over again and again. Uh, one guy this year, he was running down the field in a passing drill, looked the wrong way, smacked in the side of the head by a ball. It got replayed dozens of times. It's quite hilarious, actually. And they do it whilst being watched by talent scouts. Every team sends multiple talent scouts. It's their full-time job to figure out who's the best and make sure they get picked on their team. That's what the whole thing is about, this entire circus, about choosing the very best, about predicting who's going to be the star of the future. Well, God doesn't work like that at all. He doesn't hold a combine. There's no draft for his kingdom. Uh, he doesn't wait and assess the resumes of those who would like to work for him. 
He doesn't uh, count on feats of strength or freakish ability. No, he only counts. He only uses and chooses by grace. Nothing else. Simply grace. By grace, he gives revelation. That's the knowledge of his ways. By grace, he makes known the riches of his mysterious plan. By grace, he uses weak and flawed people like the Apostle Paul, like you, and like me. That's an amazing thing. It's a staggering thing when you think about it. Uh, for, for thousands of years, uh, God had told his people, for hundreds of generations, there was a plan. He said, there is a plan. I have a plan. I'm, doing, I'm working towards something. But he only ever gave the rough outline. He never showed what it was going to look like. But now... To you and to me, what God has hidden for hundreds and thousands of years, he's made it known. Here it is in verse 6. This mystery, God's plan, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. That's what God is doing. That's what he's been aiming to do for all time. Saving, redeeming, reconciling us to, ourselves, uh, to each other and us to him. Forgiving, giving life, gathering the world under him and filling the world in Jesus. That's God's plan and we know it. Hundreds of generations, even the angels long to look into that plan. But we know it because by grace he's revealed it to us. And what's more, by that same grace... He has chosen to use us in achieving it. You and me, weak and flawed as we are, as servants of that plan, simply by the grace of God who chooses us. What an enormous encouragement that is for us. <laughs> as we go about our, our daily lives, as we serve Him, what an encouragement. Because without that grace, who could serve who, who would dare to try and work in God's plan, achieve his eternal purpose, if we didn't have grace? It would be ludicrous to attempt. Without grace, without immense grace, I, I could never preach, let alone serve a cup of coffee. Without grace, none of us would be able, none of us could ever achieve anything for God, let alone contribute in any meaningful way. But we have grace. We have God's grace, immense and rich and free. Grace that made known his ways. Grace that fills us and equips us for his work. And we have in that grace everything we need to be able to serve him. Grace not only makes our service possible, it makes it effective. It enables God's plan to be achieved through us. See, we serve in God's kingdom entirely by his grace. Uh, you serve in your particular role by His grace. It's not because you're the only one capable. It's not because you're the only one willing. It's not simply came to you by default. It's by grace. Now, you may not always like where He's got you serving. Uh, it can be easy sometimes to resent it, uh, to maybe think it, it's not big, it's not glamorous, I could serve Him better elsewhere, but where you are is by grace. It's God's gift to you to serve him there. 
It can be easy to think when he gives us a task, when he, he sets an opportunity before us, I could never do that. <laughs> I don't have what it takes. But don't forget, uh, the Apostle Paul, even him could call himself leaster than us all, even than you. I mean, it's not false boasting. And yet God used him for amazing things. Uh, not because Paul was amazing, but because grace is amazing. God has revealed his eternal mystery to you, his incredible plan. You know it. And if you've believed him and trusted him, then you know enough to serve him. You're not ill-equipped. You have everything you'll ever need because you have his grace. Now, if that's God, who God uses, then what for? How does he use us? What's, what's, his kind, what's he kind of doing here? Well, Paul makes it very clear for us in verses 10 and 11. Come with me to verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God's plan, God's goal is that the whole of the world, the whole of the universe, including all the heavenly powers, would know his manifold witness, uh, his manifold wisdom. How? How is he going to do that? Through the church. By, by, by the whole world, by the whole universe, by all those heavenly powers, looking at his church and seeing there God's wisdom displayed. Now, every building tells a story. Uh, every building tells us something. You only have to drive through town, uh, look at the pubs. You see that this town was once bigger, maybe richer. You look at the churches, uh, you see that this town is old uh, and more spiritual perhaps than it is now. You drive down John Street and every single house tells you a story. Some tells you, uh, tell you where a handyman lives, perhaps a gardener. Some houses tell you that they're owned by a retiree, others by a family with kids, others are recently sold, etc. Every single one of them tells you something about itself, has a story. So too does the church. I mean, not, not, the, not the building here, but its very existence, the, the fact that it's here at all, that it exists. What, what story does the church tell us? Well, it's this story. It's the story of God's wisdom. His manifold, rich, marvellous, unsearchable wisdom. Wisdom that is life-transforming. A wisdom that raises the dead to life. A wisdom that reconciles sinners and enemies to himself. Wisdom that breaks down barriers. Wisdom that blesses with full riches. Wisdom that speaks of love and grace and mercy. A wisdom that rules and fills the world. That is the wisdom of God and that is displayed here in this church. We are a herald. We are his announcement, his billboard to the entire universe of his wisdom. Uh, Scottish pastor Mez McConnell put it like this. He said, how will the church know the wisdom of God? Uh, how will the universe, sorry, know the wisdom of God? They will know it by the existence of the local church. As the people of the church love each other in ways that don't make sense to the world, 
they show that the gospel is true. As they love outsiders and welcome them in, the church demonstrates the power of the gospel to change hearts. As they spend their money and their time and their lives pursuing the spread of the gospel, they show what it looks like to have a life that is transformed, set free from the hopeless futility of life without God. See, in the church, the wisdom of God is displayed to the universe. He has chosen us to show off to the whole world how good he is. <laughs> Isn't that a great way to look at our church? Isn't that a, a, a remarkable way to consider what we do here, what we do together? I mean, it's so easy to be embarrassed by the church, isn't it? I mean, what we do is, it's a little bit dorky, let's be honest. <laughs> it's a bit simple. Uh, it doesn't compare even to radio, let alone TV or anything else that we can find in the world. We don't even compare to a lot of other churches, really, when you, when you count it. It can make us a bit reluctant, maybe, to talk about church, maybe to invite our friends along. But what if we considered our church like this? You know, if we say, well, actually, I go to a church that displays God's unsearchable wisdom. I, I go to the place that he's chosen to advertise how good he is. I mean, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? That, that's quite remarkable. Of course, we don't say that to boast about our church. It's not us. It's God's grace that makes it so. But that's who he's chosen us to be. That, that's what he wants to do through us. John Stott says that this passage tells us three key things about the church. It says, firstly, the church is central to history. The church is the culmination of God's eternal and mysterious plan. It is a place where that plan, where his wisdom is displayed to the whole universe. Other things will come and go, but the church will stand forever, for all time. Secondly, it tells us that the church is central to the gospel. It's where we find the gospel, it's where the gospel leads to, it's where the gospel is seen and displayed. The gospel is not only that Jesus saves, but also that Jesus gathers, and that he does so in the church. Thirdly, it tells us that the church is central to Christian living. It's not that church is optional, that it's kind of an opt-in thing if you feel like it. No, that the church is central. It's a place where God's people are equipped, where they're filled, where they learn to serve. It's a place where they're sent from, where they can come to experience fellowship. It's a place where we give up our lives for Jesus. So the church matters, <laughs> not in just turning up, but in actually participating fully. The church is central and by grace we are part of it. By grace we're called to serve it to this end, that God would be known that he would be praised. See, that is the goal of our church being here in Olverston. It doesn't exist just so we've got somewhere to go on a Sunday morning, you know, fill up that bit of extra spare time that we have. No, we are here because God has placed us here. By his grace, he's chosen us to be here. By his grace, he sustains us so that we are still here. So that in us and through us, he will herald his wisdom. So that the whole of Olverston will know that God is good. And that God is great because they see it displayed in us. That is our priority in all things. That our community will see God's wisdom. It will see the power of his gospel at work in us and through us. How? 
by us simply living it out. Simply living out our gospel, living out our faith. See, it doesn't happen just through missionaries or special ministries or unusually gifted people. It happens through us. All of us. Living together, working out our faith. Weak and frail and ordinary though we are. <laughs> A bit messy like the, uh, the, the, the building that the kids built. But filled and equipped with God's grace. See, God's wisdom is heralded in us when we live for the gospel. When we, we follow Jesus and sacrifice for him as he calls us to. When we prioritise our fellowship with one another. When we love each other. When we serve each other. When we delight in God's grace with one another. It happens in our community. It happens in our generosity. It happens in our selflessness. It happens when we live the lives that the gospel calls us to live. And then the world will see God's wisdom in us and he will be praised in the entire universe and his kingdom will grow. We don't have to wait for special people to come here because by God's grace it takes you and me. We don't have to wait until we've got certain or special or unusual gifts or powers because God's grace in abundance is already ours to this end. He simply asks us all of us, to live all of our lives for him. And then this will be our church, more and more. And Olveston will see, Olveston will know, and God willing, Olveston will be drawn to his immeasurable grace, to the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let's come to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, your plan just boggles our minds that you are reaching the whole of our world, gathering it unto yourself, being glorified in it. Father, your plan is so big, is so bold, and it is so wonderful. And the fact that you would do it in us is staggering. That by grace you've given that we would be included in it. It's just incredible. And Father, we thank you that not only by grace have you included us in that work, but by grace you have given us everything we need, that it would happen through us. Father, we pray that our church would live up to its intention, your intention for us. That this would happen more and more in us, that by living as your people in this world, your wisdom, your unsearchable wisdom, the marvellous riches of your grace in Christ would be declared to all of Alveston and even more to the entire world. Father, work in us what's pleasing to you that this would happen through us and in us. Strip away what holds us back and help us to live for you so that you would be praised in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.